Welcome to the Jewish Education Experience Podcast with your hosts, Yasmina and Ari, who will be uncovering gems of wisdom with Jewish educators from around the world. To support our podcast, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash Jewish Education Experience Podcast. Our guest today is Rabbi Benji Owen, and Rabbi Owen has served as head of school of Margolin Hebrew Academy, Feinstone Yeshiva of the South in Memphis, Tennessee, since 2015. During his tenure, this pre-K through 12th grade day school and high school dormitory institution has experienced significant growth in enrollment and has conducted a major building campaign and campus renovation effort. The school has a strong and cohesive community. Prior to moving to Memphis, Rabbi Owen was a faculty member of Northwest Yeshiva High School in Seattle, Washington. For 19 years, he served as Dean of Judaic Studies and Assistant Head of School for many of those years. He has served as Interim Rabbi and Scholar-in-Residence at Seattle's Congregation Ezra Besaroth and was the director of the Pacific Northwest Sephardic Adventure Camp. And he will be returning to Seattle to serve as head of school at the Seattle Hebrew Academy in the summer of 2022. So I definitely all wish you all the best with that. And uh, hello, Rabbi Owen. Welcome to our podcast, and thank you so much for being with us today. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure, and I'm looking forward to getting to talk with you a bit more. I'm curious, are you Sephardi? I am. I'm a Sephardic Jew. Very cool. Um, both my father's side and my mother's side, both my both both uh, sides are from Turkey and from Rhodes, the island of Rhodes, which is near Greece. Wow. And uh, originally from um, from Sfarad. They were from uh, Gerush Sfarad from 1492. Wow. That is really cool. Fellow Sparty here. Um, will you please tell us a bit more about yourself and how you began your journey in Jewish education? Sure. I grew up in Seattle and I attended um, Jewish school, Jewish day schools in Seattle. And after um, getting married and, yeah, and going to yeshiva, uh, being in Israel, not necessarily all in that order, we came back to Seattle. And, and this is in the mid 90s. And I and I was I took a meeting in maybe five days before school had st- was going about to start, and I was I was uh, asked for a meeting. This is the assistant uh, head of school at the time, Rabbi Alicia Paul, and he asked me for a meeting, and he said, you know, we have a need for someone to teach our basic Gemara class. This is a daily class and we we need it right away and we need we would really like for you to take this opportunity so you know we discussed it a little bit and I started I took the position and this was uh one day a week was teaching uh, Gemara to students who had never learned Gemara before this was a kind of a machina track wow and I just loved it I just loved the opportunity uh to teach and to work with these students and in the middle of that year I, I spoke with the um, the head of school and said, I'm really interested in Chinuch and advancing in Chinuch. And the school was growing at the time. And thank God I was able to grow in my opportunities to teach and became full time and, and the rest uh, 
Yeah, you mentioned before the rest was history. Thought about other a lot of other other jobs. We're thinking about real estate. I was thinking about I I studied to um different you know different different very many different avenues, and this was really a it was a unique opportunity. Fortunate, I said yes, and yeah, I just the rest the rest uh, came. Wow, so that's very fascinating. So then it kind of happened just like out of nowhere then, because you didn't really plan to go into education. Very wow. much. Wow. Wow. That, well, that's cool. And look at you now, right? So now you're really coming full circle too, because you're going to be heading back to Seattle. How, how does that feel to be heading back to your hometown? You know, it was, it has been a tremendous privilege over the last seven years to uh, be in Memphis, Tennessee. It is an, uh, it's a very special community uh, that values the day school and values Jewish day school education just to the maximum. And it has been such a privilege to work here and to, um, and to help grow the school and, and work with the school and the students and the, and the families. Um, it is a, at the same time, it's a, it's a real privilege for me to be able to go back to Seattle and, and, uh, help support a community that is very dear to my heart, to my family's heart and, um, and, and a unique school there, which is Seattle Hebrew Academy, which is the school that has been, uh, really this kind of the, uh, the center of Jewish day school education in Seattle since the 1940s. And so wow. it is a real privilege. It is. Uh, it was a school that I attended. It's a school that my children attended, and uh, this is a really very exciting and meaningful opportunity that we're about to embark on. That is really exciting, and uh, it's cool for us listening to you too because we have connections with Seattle. Uh, you know, my husband's mom's. She grew up in Seattle, and then uh, Rabbi Akiva Males actually used to be the rabbi here in Harrisburg, where we currently live. And so sure. I know he's down there in Memphis, Tennessee. So there are a lot of connections that I didn't realize that exist between Seattle and Memphis. So um, that's another one where my mails. It's a, uh, although through you, that's very exciting. That's really cool. Yeah. Are there any educators that have inspired you or who you particularly admire? Oh my gosh. So many. <laughs> so many, right? So many. I have my own edge, my own Rebeam and educators who I work closely with. I mentioned Rabbi, I think I mentioned Rabbi Fox. By Bernie Fox earlier, who is a Rebbe of mine in high school, became a mentor of mine and, and um, the, the head of school, longtime head of school at Northwest Yeshiva High School, uh, has been um, such a mentor for me in Chinuch, in administration, uh, and many others as well. That many, you know, a lot, many number, a number of people to mention. But I think now, uh, being serving as head of school, you talk about inspiring, you ask about inspiring uh, educators. The people who I work with now are, I'm able to get a different kind of a view and a window into, into education that is just, is, is unique and, and superlative from the perspective of being able to admire good teaching. Um, I, we have educators who are young. We have educators who are older. We have educators in the middle of their career in Memphis and on the general study side, on the, on the, Judaic studies side, and these are educators who are so committed. And, and being a head of school, I'm able to see with my own eyes great teaching, but I'm also able to get a really a 360-degree view of the impact of education and the impact of great chinuch in terms of work with families, in terms of working with administrators, 
in terms of working with, with students, uh, seeing the impact on the community. Uh, it, it's a, so certainly there are many, I can mention uh, many, many, many wonderful educators who I'm inspired by, but what I'm more focusing on is on the, the impact of Chinuch is so um, fulsome. It is, uh, you know, I, when, when uh, just to mention one example, uh, we've, we've put a lot of work into our middle school at the, at the um, you know, here in Memphis. And we've put a lot of work into a lot of areas, but I want to mention the, the middle school specifically. And we have, we have teachers in the middle school, number of teachers in the middle, Morot, Morim, Rebaim. And the, the kind of impact they're making Starting from davening and the impact of st- on students in terms of tefillah, through through classes and then through, in, through programs outside of school, mishmar and uh, shabbat and um, other kinds of after school programs, it's incredible. And this is very inspiring to me. That is really inspiring, and I'm sure you it brings a smile to your face when you see these kids who are, are enjoying learning and they want to continue learning and growing and sparking that identity and interest in wanting to continue to be Jewish. You said it very well. Yes. <laughs> you said it very well. Creating identity is, is, is the biggest thing that we can do. I think uh, we live in a, in a culture that is uh, all encompassing and very influential on our, on our students, particularly pop culture and American culture and Western culture and they, there are, of course, values in, in in Western culture, and I'm, you know, not to dismiss the culture entirely, but it's pervasive. And so our job is mechan. One of our important, one of our very important jobs of mechanchem at all levels is to help students open up, help students open up to be able to create an identity around Torah and mitzvot and learning and um, limut Torah, and that is a difficult job, and it's the mo- one of the most crucial jobs that we have. I definitely agree 100%. And that ties in with this next question. Um, How do you talk about God and how might this differ with the various age groups that you work with? And how do you create that environment within the school? I'll take the last part of the question first, (laughs) I think. I think modeling is, I believe modeling is the most, is is the primary mechanism there i think to to influence students um modeling in the sense of modeling how we learn modeling how we behave uh, modeling opening open open minds and open thinking um modeling critical thinking modeling how we interact with our families i think that i think modeling is 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 of, of primary um impact and primary concern i think um, it's interesting. I don't, you know, I, I think back about talking about God and it, it's, I think it's very subtle ways. Students ask, ask about God. So I can think about in kindergarten, students asking about God and, you know, where is God and, 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 uh, and how do we, you know, how kindergartners would ask about God. I don't have a specific question in mind, but I, I, you know, I can think of a lot of times that kindergartners ask about God and I can think of some specific students even um, all the way, of course, through high school. But I think that, I think that talking about, it's less about talking about God, although that does come up and students ask questions about God, but it's really about 
how we conduct ourselves, as I said before, how we conduct ourselves as a model of Torah, as a as a model of being a a, a tamid chacham, as a model of being a mensch, a model of being um, good good uh, midot. That is that to me is the way that we can influence the students. Of course, we answer their questions at their level, but I think that at all levels, that's the way that I think we can represent um, God is through being a, a, a stellar model. Definitely. Well, we can totally relate to that because we are we have young children. We've found that we are really watching what we're doing, how we're talking and behaving, because we're our children's models and I love that you mentioned that about, and as an educator, that's what we're supposed to be the model for our students and, and they could look up to us. I, I, you know, I thought back what you said about, you know, having young children. I think that uh, in, when talking about God, I do believe it's very important to, to, um, to think carefully before answering students about God. I think that it's so easy to, what we say needs to be truthful at all times, right. but when we're speaking about God, we can't always reveal everything there is to be revealed, even at our own level. So That's with true. a five-year-old, you have to speak at a five-year-old's level. So oftentimes I've found that I remember with my own kids and, and, and going through a career, um, it is really important to think about it's nothing wrong with saying, let me come back to you think about that. And I'll, you know, think about that. I'll come back to you and really think about how to give, how to give the answer in a way that's age appropriate so that it, it is true. It's true. You're not sacrificing on truth about God because that's the worst thing is to say a lie about or something untruthful, false about a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Definitely. Um, but at the same time that it's age appropriate so the student can understand it and can, and can relate to it and, and they feel their question was answered. That's so true. I remember somebody saying, and it might have been someone we interviewed previously, that said, don't teach something now that you're going to have to unteach later. I like that. You've spoken a lot already in our interview so far about chinuch. Um, So education or chinuch in Hebrew, it can be a bit of an amorphous term. How would you define it? Well, firstly, I think what it's not is it's not indoctrination. So chinuch is indoctrination is uh, you have a, a certain body of information and a certain even more than body information, but a certain um, mode of thinking that you feel that the teacher feel may feel needs to be imparted to the student or a way of thinking that needs to be imparted to the student um, or perspective, I'd say, not even just a way of thinking, but a perspective that needs to be imparted to the student. I think that's not the that's not the job of the mechanic. Um, that may be more the job of the parents potentially, although I'm not even sure that necessarily works. But it's it's not the job of the mechanic to to indoctrinate the student. Um, although sometimes we feel you know we need to, but uh, I think that it's important to resist that temptation. As mechanchem, our job is to is to teach our students to be open to thinking, open to Torah. Of course, we need to, through that, in order to do that, we have to teach Torah. So we can't teach about Torah. We have to actually teach Torah. What is Torah? But right. Torah, Torah, Torah sells itself. You know, we, 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 if we can just keep the students engaged in Torah and keep feeding the students, um, the, Torah will, the Torah will have the impact on this. Rabbi Akiva, like Rabbi Akiva, like the story of the Gemara, Rabbi Akiva with the... Um, with the uh, with the dripping of water, you know, on the rock over many many years, and and finally makes an imprint and an impact on the on the rock. 
that's that's chinuch. Chinuch is letting you know helping the student to allow the student to experience Torah and have Torah be able to impact that student over time and be the one who delivers that. That to me is that's the that's the mechanech. Mechanech is exposing the student to Torah and allowing the student to develop the, the, the frame of mind and the way of thinking of Torah, him or herself. I like that. Uh, well, see, since you mentioned Torah already, I'm, I got to ask this question next. Um, how can we help our students build a strong Torah foundation? You know, I've mentioned a lot of things so far, um, but, you know, I, I a strong Torah foundation. Um, I've mentioned modeling, and I think that's critically important. I think that as well, in addition to that, is having high expectations for our students and strong expectations for our students regarding um, regarding growth. So um, students want to grow. They want to emulate. And the the Rebbe, the Morat, the, the Moreh um, needs to feed that. And so uh, it's, we, we, you know, through taking our students seriously, through taking the material of Torah seriously, that's, that's what builds a Torah foundation in our students. That's, that's uh, you know, those, those are the, you know, I mentioned it before, but modeling and, uh, and allowing the Torah to do its work. That's the way I think to, to build the Torah foundation. Well, that's a good answer. And what role do you feel that the family plays in that? Uh, family uh, is in, what <laughs> family is incredibly important. I mean, uh, I, you know, sometimes we shot, we we take a lot of credit in the school for things that we do, uh, and yet when we look back, when we look really at the end of the day, and we look at, at our successes. There are, of course, successes where the school really carried the load or carried a lot of the load. But in almost all cases, it's a partnership between the school and between the parents. And it's, it's true. The, I think that the parents, one of the most important ingredients for the parents is, is being, you may not always agree with the school and you may not always agree with the teachers. What is critically important, you could be, and, and I think it's, it's important for parents to be advocates for their parents. It's incredibly important. I think what's the most, um, I think what under, what the students don't know how to deal with, and I think it's what's the most, probably most undermining for students is, is where the the parents are, are dismissive of the school and dismissive of the teachers and vice versa. Um, when, when, uh, when the school, when the students feel that the school is somehow dismissive of parents is also equally pernicious. And yeah. so that, that relationship, that partnership, I think the parents want, what they can do is they can work to find ways to plug into their students' education and value it and show their value, volunteer at the school, um, learn with their students, is, with their children is incredibly important. I think model, we talked about this before, modeling for themselves is incredibly important. Learning and doing and going to shul, um, not just on Shabbat. So doing all, all those things that the, children, that the parents would want for their kids, valuing them both in word and in deed. And, uh, and that's, that's a, that builds a, that builds children who, you know, we may not know exactly where they're going to land, but that builds children who value Torah and value uh, Torah education. Yeah, I can agree with that. 
delicate uh, balance, trampling on the toes of the parents or the toes of the school and figuring all that, all that out. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think that there's something that, that is very difficult because we have the school and the parents oftentimes don't always have the same um, approach and they sometimes don't even have necessarily all the same interests and to be able to engage in difficult conversations respectfully both and that's both on both sides the parents and also the school to be able to engage in difficult conversations respectfully and productively and and um, and be able to even sometimes not to agree but be able to come to some conclusion that is mutually at least agreeable enough that that is very hard uh, but it's 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 so um, important for the kids to feel, for students to feel, for children to feel some alignment there between uh, between um, between the parents and their teachers. Yes, I definitely um, hear that for sure. Um, what do you find to be the biggest challenge that you've faced in education? Apathy. Um, apathy. From the parents, students, student apathy, student okay. student apathy. It's a, as I said before, that students want to grow, and that is true, but um, but I think that's the student apathy is the, it's, it's, it's easy, it's too easy to allow students to become complacent. It's too easy for schools to, to even kind of let students slide in apathy and complacency. Um, it's too easy to, for parents to let, you know, just don't bother me and uh, mm-hmm. let students f- slide with it. And um, especially when students have phones and they have things that distract them. So, and they're not acting out. So it's, it's really easy to allow apathy to just kind of creep in and, and become a, become a mode. That's hmm. to me is one of the, and especially to, as I said before about um, the culture that we live in, how pervasive it is. I think it's, it's really something that is, it's easy. It's easy to overcome our students and to overwhelm our students. So to me, that's the, especially working, moving into high school. Um, you know, I think right. there, there are other problems to the younger kids, but it's not such a problem with, you know, first graders, but uh, you know, when I'm thinking about high school students, I'm thinking about producing students out of the day school, um, you know, out of a day school uh, at the end where we're graduating students to become adults. Apathy is biggest, the one of the, I think one of the biggest challenges. Have you noticed that throughout the course of your experience in education or is it more of a newer thing as we've become much more technologically and advanced and more distractions social media all these things i haven't seen more no i in my experience it's been all the way through okay um how you i think how you deal with it or how you how you um try to uh, engage students and motivate students. I think that does change and that has changed over time. Uh, there were different motivators that existed in the mid nineties and in the two thousands. And now, you know, 2021, there are, I think there are different ways of motivating students because students think differently and they, and they grow and they evolve and, uh, and society changes. So I think how you tap into students changes, but I think the, the role of apathy or the, the challenge of apathy hasn't, in my experience, hasn't changed. So how do you think we can improve that or counter that? Yeah. Wow. It's hard. I know. Wow. I, you know, <laughs> it, it, it don't, I think number one is be, to be on the lookout for it and okay. uh, engaging when students ask questions. I had an example that came up uh, 
recently, and I teach a, I teach a class to seventh and eighth grade young women, and they asked a, a very serious question about halacha, and we, it's a Mishnah class, but they asked a very serious question about halacha and related to women, and um, I, it would have been very easy for me to you know, just kind of give a give a general answer. And it was a question about women and wearing tefillin. And to uh, just give a very general answer or, or or just say, you know, that's not our topic, even worse. That's not our topic. And we can't, we're not going to take that issue up. Um, but instead, I'm not you're tooting my own horn, but I, but, I, but I think that it would have been easy to do that. I, I took it up. I took the issue up. We dedicated a day. I mean, it took actually, it took I took a week. I said, I want some time. I'll come back to you. I'll prepare. I'll come back to you. And today was the day we uh, I shared with them what I wanted to present. But um, mm-hmm. the but I think it would have been very easy to just you know brush it under the you know brush it away or you know sweep it under the rug. And I and I think that that would have done damage. Um, I agree. It's it's good that you said, okay, you know, we can. I'll prepare. We'll actually plan a. I'll plan a lesson, and we'll we'll actually go into detail and and talk about this and have this discussion rather than just push it aside. Cause who knows what that would have done had you made that decision instead. And there's an example where, where I think Torah can speak for, there's a combination that Torah can speak for itself. It doesn't need me to champ, you know, to, 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 uh, you know, add to market it. But at the same time, I think it's, it's important to think about how to present Torah to the students and what's going to, what's going to resonate and what's, what are they going to hear? That's my job as the, as the, as the, as the teacher in that situation. So I think it was effective. I mean, it took some time to get through what I wanted to present and and for them to make sure, make sure they understood it and that they didn't misunderstand it. But you know, the app. So that's so. When you ask the question about apathy, how to overcome it, I, I think to watch carefully those little for the little cues where they may you know let cynicism come in or let apathy come in or you know sarcasm. So I think to watch for those cues and to take the students seriously and their questions seriously, and um, and then to you know to and then to move them and shepherd them along, hopefully towards a. Um, towards you know building their own Jewish identity. Agree and see the importance with doing that. How do you stay motivated? <laughs> I go into kindergarten <laughs> and just watch them. Oh. <laughs> I sit on the floor and play with them. That's that's my motive. That's all I need. <laughs> I'm serious. That's, that's awesome. Maybe you that's, the floor. That's awesome. Sometimes. That's all I need. The perspective of five, six year olds, right? It's really amazing. That's all I need. <laughs> Having a bad day, so I say, you know, if I'm having a difficult day or I just had a difficult conversation, I go into kindergarten and go hang out with them. Oh. Um, what advice would you give to new Jewish educators who are just beginning their journey? Find a mentor, find someone who's not exactly like-minded, but understands where you're coming from and can is really patient and willing to listen to you and listen to your challenges and listen to your plans and give you feedback. That is, you know, assuming that a teacher is going to come in with a body of knowledge that's sufficient for the area. I mean, that, that don't go into chinuch if you can't, if you don't have what to present. Um, and uh, but past that, find a mentor. In most industries or places of work, it's important to reach out to other people who could reach, you know, help you and guide you and kind of lift you up because education is it could be hard sometimes and. Sometimes you have one of those days where just like, oh my goodness, like what's going on? And you definitely need to have uh, 
that motivation, like you said, you go in with the kindergartners and also having a mentor that you can talk with definitely value to that. Oftentimes also schools throw, throw teachers into, into the classroom and expect them to succeed. And we don't necessarily know as teachers or as new teachers, we don't even know what to do necessarily. And we also don't know what we don't know. So right. mentors can be another eye, another pair of eyes to help us see what we may not even realize we don't know and to help us grow. I agree. So last question here. Um, what do you think successful Jewish education will look like in the future? Successful Jewish education has always looked like um, connecting Torah to that generation or that group of po- that population that is that the teachers are working with. So good, good Jewish, great Jewish education is going to be continued to uh, work with students where they're at. That's one. But I think I would layer on top of that, and I think this becomes more and more uh, the challenge, I think, for schools, for Jewish day schools is especially out of the New York area. I've not worked in the New York area and I only lived there for a period of time. I'm speaking really more from my perspective in working with smaller Jewish communities is, um, is building Jewish community and fostering and growing Jewish community to, you know, to support all around, uh, if, you know, a, 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 um, a healthy, a healthy, a healthy Keilah. And and schools can do schools are a unique position to bring families into uh, into the into the into the Jewish community and to be that pipeline or that you know opening to families to to plug into the Jewish community, and they also have the ability to to nurture families. Uh, families I've seen more and more are choosing choose Jewish day schools not only because of what it does for their kids but because of what it does for them as parents and them as families. And so the more that our schools can meet families where they're at and be able to help grow them, they're in a unique position to do that in ways that maybe synagogues used to fill that niche or that niche uh, in years past or JCCs maybe, or um, you know other, other institutions, schools, play a very, very important role in that. And so I think as we move forward, especially in America and especially in the smaller communities, um, schools, schools serving as a, as a, as a, as a growth engine for Kehila, I think that's, that's going to be predictive of, um, of success. Well, as we move further into the future, it does seem like, especially with COVID and different things that have happened, there's been a shift from not as many people or not as many people are comfortable yet going back to shul, but I've heard from other educators we've interviewed that the parents are sending their kids to Jewish day school, even parents that maybe a few years ago didn't see the value or in the importance of it, but now they've taken that step. And I think that's a really good sign. It's a great point. It's a great point about post-COVID. It's a great point. It's, it's it's schools have have proven that they can deliver services, and so their value the you know their the value proposition of schools has really increased potentially over these past couple of years. I think that's a really great point. Have you noticed that um, at the school there in particular? Have you noticed you know with COVID right now you've seen much more of an influx in students? 
we haven't we we have we've grown over time, but it, it hasn't been really directly related to COVID. Okay. Um, it just it just happens to be for our you know for our population here you know in our demographics, but um, but I do think that the I think that parents have seen the the value of, you know the the public schools were closed during that time and and for people anyone who has a you know can make a comparison i mean there's just uh, you know of course the idea of the school having been open which is similar to you know many day schools around the, most day schools around the country being able to be open and make an impact on you know our students and on the community and that has been invaluable and has only i think raised the esteem of the of of Jewish education, if not the school, but certainly Jewish education and education generally in the eyes of parents. We've noticed that also. And um yeah, I hope that we can continue to move forward and as you mentioned previously, helping our students to continue to want to be Jewish and have that I- Jewish identity and connection with Torah and learning and God and um, Rabbi Owen, thank you so much for joining us on, on the podcast tonight and uh, learned a lot from you and really appreciate it. It was a real pleasure. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And hopefully we'll be able to reconnect again and continue the conversation. I welcome it. Perfect. Thanks. Good night. We'll wish you Shabbat Shalom. Take care. Shabbat shalom. <laughs> Bye.